0: In March 2013, a Facebook page emerged in Hong Kong and it immediately captured the city's attention. It was titled My Missing Mom and Dad and it was created by two brothers, Henry Chow and Chow Ho Ying. Upon entering the page, visitors were greeted by a single striking image, a photograph of their parents, Glory Chow and Moon Siu. Accompanying the image was a heartfelt caption but laced with desperation and anxiety. In the caption, Henry and his brother implored their friends, acquaintances and the public for any information that could help them locate their parents. According to their account, the unsettling turn of events occurred just 48 hours after their parents had returned to Hong Kong, from their vacation to mainland China on March 2, 2013. They also provided a vivid description of the last known moments with their parents. Their father, Glory, was described as wearing a dark blue vest, a long sleeve shirt and jeans, while their mother, Moon, was dressed in a light-coloured, cold sweater paired with jeans. Prior to launching their heartfelt plea on Facebook, Henry and his brother found themselves confronted by a distressing reality. It all began during the first week of March 2013. When Chao Hoi Ying couldn't get hold of his parents. Alarmed by their mysterious absence, he immediately called his younger brother, Henry. In their conversation, Henry mentioned that their parents had recently traveled to mainland China for vacation and said that he had forgotten to inform him about their trip. Chao Hoi Ying's instincts began to tingle with suspicion. He couldn't shake the feeling that something was amiss. His parents, Glory and Moon, were not known to leave without a word. And their sudden departure, without even taking any luggage with them, left him deeply perplexed. These unusual circumstances set off alarm bells in his mind, especially given that his brother was known to be odd and mysterious. Henry, however, appeared nonchalant, even relishing the newfound freedom, and urged his brother to stay calm and make the most of the situation. Chao Hoi Ying couldn't shake the feeling. He had a haunting certainty that something terrible had happened to them. Eventually, the two brothers headed to the local police station to report their parents' disappearance. And days later, they set up the Facebook page. Dear friends, my parents are missing. They are about 64 years old. I hope all friends can help to provide information. The last time the missing people were seen was near Langham Place, Mong Kok, on Saturday the 2nd of March at 2pm. If you have seen the two missing persons in the photo on that day or have relevant information, please contact me. Signed, Mr Chow. Unbeknownst to anyone, especially his frantic brother, Henry held a sinister truth within him. Behind those words lay a dark reality. He wasn't searching for his missing parents. He knew exactly where they were. They were dismembered, cooked, and kept in his refrigerator. You're listening to Heinous, an Asian true crime podcast brought to you by Mediacorp and produced by 1UP Media. This episode contains scenes of graphic imagery and violence. Listener discretion is advised. A day after the Facebook page was launched... It drew thousands of likes and hundreds of comments. Furthermore, Henry had also reached out to Apple Daily, an online news platform based in Hong Kong, in the hopes of having a story published about his parents. Within hours, the online news platform featured a video on their website, with Henry at the forefront, gazing confidently into the camera. He bore the weight of his family's uncertain fate as he began to speak, his words delivered with a strong conviction. In the video, he shared that his parents might have gone for a hike in the mainland and could have either gotten lost in the wilderness or had encountered a dangerous situation. Once the video was out, a media frenzy started to swirl and the story of the missing parents became a topic of conversation for all of Hong Kong. However, five days after the Chow brothers filed the missing persons report, they received unsettling news from the police they were informed by the Department of Immigration that there was no record of their parents ever leaving Hong Kong. This piece of news deepened the mystery, leaving their family and friends utterly perplexed. Eventually, the video blew up all over social media, sparking a widespread debate throughout Hong Kong about the whereabouts of the missing parents. Simultaneously, the Chow brothers found their inboxes flooded with an abundance of supportive and empathetic messages from their fellow citizens. As the case garnered increasing attention, the Hong Kong police came under growing pressure to crack the mystery, ultimately leaving them with no option but to prioritize it. On the 14th of March in 2013, investigators summoned the Child Brothers once more for a second round of questioning. As they entered the police station, an air of unease settled over Henry. This interview weighed heavily on his conscience as he grappled with the fear that the truth might come to light. From the records, we know that throughout the interview, Henry remained glued to his phone he had a constant stream of text messages and unceasing message alerts, which constantly took his attention away. Fumbling for his phone, he instinctively reached out to his friends within a WhatsApp gaming group called HK Tekken. In that moment of distraction, Henry did something unexpected. He confessed to the WhatsApp group in plain words that he was responsible for the disappearance of his parents. As the interview came to a close, and as the Chow brothers exited the police station, it became evident that Henry had managed to keep his dark secret hidden from the officers. However, later that evening, Henry met up with a close friend for dinner and confessed in person. Upon hearing this, his friend couldn't help but ask what he intended to do next. With an eerie calmness, Henry replied that he would return home, take a shower, get a good night's sleep, and the next day, surrender himself to the police. Henry wouldn't know then, but that night, a member of the WhatsApp group had already reached out to the police. Reports on the case revealed that during his police interview, Henry had sent a series of unsettling text messages within the WhatsApp group, Some of these messages were linked to his confession, while others simply reflected the state of his deeply troubled mind. I am in the police station now, but I am going to string the police along for a while, because I need to buy time to say final goodbye to good friends, and then I will tell them the truth. I cannot empathise people's pain because of my experience from childhood and adolescence. For some reason, I don't want them here my murdering partner and I were planning to make it a missing person case and dump the bodies piece by piece. I process emotion differently from a normal person. The next day, at 7am, the police descended upon the Chao residence in Ying Yingtuan and arrested 28-year-old Henry Chow. Upon questioning, Henry disclosed Angus Tzu's address adding that his parents' remain could be found within his flat. Three hours later, the authorities rushed to Angus's apartment in Tai Kok As soon as the door swung open, Angus was apprehended, and on the floor, a blood-stained carpet immediately offered a grim indication of the horrors that had transpired within those walls. In the living room, the police stumbled upon a startling sight, three ominous black plastic bags brimming with a sinister combination of sand and cement. The second bedroom was even more disturbing. They discovered a chilling array of items such as a chopping board, body bags, 600 styrofoam lunch boxes, and a bucket that held a saw and seven knives. In the corner of the room lay three large garbage bags that contained the remains of human limbs and various dismembered parts. Adjacent to the kitchen, in a compact storage room, stood two refrigerators. Each had a microwave placed on top of them. When the police checked the contents of the freezer compartment in the first fridge, they found the severed head of Glory Chow. And in the same compartment of the other freezer, Moon Sioux's frozen head was lying inside. Investigators also found neatly arranged lunch boxes which contained cooked portions of human flesh, bathed in barbecue sauce and served on a bit of rice. Further investigation revealed that the yellowish substance found splattered in the microwaves was in fact human fat. According to the police, the first few officers who entered the apartment were greeted by a gruesome spectacle that could only be likened to an abattoir. It was a nightmarish scene one that left them stunned as they encountered a scene of blood and flesh strewn everywhere throughout the apartment. Beyond the disturbing visuals, the stench in the apartment was so powerful that one of the officers openly confessed they couldn't consume meat for some time, even after the investigations were over. In that critical moment, investigators realized the gravity of the evidence they had collected recognizing that it held the potential to secure lengthy prison sentences for both Henry and Angus. However, as they wandered deeper into the home, they found evidence that the plan to murder Glory and Moon was something the two men had planned more than six months ago. In a notebook found under the mattress in Angus's room were detailed notes titled, How to Dismember a Body. There were also notes about how long it would take to completely drain the blood from a corpse using a syringe. In one of the pages of the notebook, Henry wrote Plan B at the top of the page. Then, in a cryptic format known only to Henry, he listed. Syringes, 20 pieces. Three days, one piece. Meat and bones. Done in nine days. Nest, blood taking, hair shaving. Cut the skin, cut the organs, take the body to the nest. If they can't find it, they can't prove ABC have been X. They won't know ABC have been X. Don't touch anything. With both Henry and Angus in police custody investigators delve further to uncover the precise details of how the murder had been executed. It was reported that after Henry had written down the cryptic notes, he also wrote down a list of the tools that he needed to get the job done. The chilling shopping list included items like pork knives, hammers, lunch boxes, and bleach. One at a time, Henry went out to procure each of these tools, visiting different stores across Hong Kong over the course of January and February. With a fervent determination to avoid raising any suspicion, Henry occasionally enlisted Angus's help to buy the tools. This was a fact that was only revealed after CCTV footage from hardware stores depicted Henry lurking in the background, watching Angus as he wandered into the shops. CCTV footage played a crucial role in the ongoing investigation. Initially, the police carefully studied the video of Henry's lunch meeting with his parents at a restaurant on March the 1st. The footage revealed that neither Henry nor his parents entered or exited the restaurant on that day. This contradicted Henry's earlier statement, in which he claimed to have had lunch with his parents on March the 1st. If he had lied about this detail, what else was he hiding? Using footage from various places in Hong Kong, Investigators discovered that at 11am on March 1st, Henry and his parents were in the lobby of their apartment building in Sai pun Glory is seen standing behind his wife and son with his hands in his pockets while Moon has her arms crossed and Henry is leading them outside. An hour later, the footage from Angus's apartment complex showed Henry with his parents entering the building's elevator and exiting on the third floor. This was the last time that CCTV cameras ever captured his parents alive again. Twenty minutes later, Henry re-emerged, this time at the main entrance of the Queen Mary Hospital in Pog Phu Lam. At 4pm, he was observed in a clothing store where he purchased a fresh pair of pants. It is assumed that this shopping expedition was driven by the need to replace his current pants which was stained with blood. As the horrifying details on the case unraveled, the media seized upon the story, which sent shockwaves throughout Hong Kong. At just 28 years of age, Henry was a quiet person, with a small stature and timid demeanour. Hence, the stark contrast between his appearance and the heinous nature of the crime was nothing short of bewildering. In court, Henry consistently blamed his failures in life to his parents. He claimed that his academic performance suffered due to the constant presence of the blaring TV at home, courtesy of his father, which lasted throughout the day, every single day. He also held a resentment towards his mother for forcing him into playing the piano, and he recounted an episode where she had humiliated him in the presence of a girl he was interested in. Henry coldly articulated the motive behind his heinous act, leaving everyone in attendance profoundly disturbed. He said, I thought that if I could resolve the emotional connection with my parents, it would be a solution. If they died, I could be reborn. Henry also shared with psychiatrists that he felt a strange sense of relief wash over him upon discovering an empty bed in his parents' bedroom the morning after the murders. Perhaps even more disturbing was that he had initially planned to include his brother into the victim count. Yet due to the unexpected inner calm he felt in the absence of his parents, he ultimately decided that there was no longer a need to end his brother's life. In March 2015, Henry was found guilty of murder and was sentenced to life imprisonment. Angus Tzu was acquitted of the charges on account of his low IQ, supported by a psychiatric evaluation that highlighted his significant susceptibility to manipulation. Instead, Angus was given a one-year sentence for preventing the lawful burial of bodies. However, owing to his two-year period of pre-trial detention, he was immediately released. After the heinous crime, the apartment building where the murder took place was abandoned, as residents believed it was full of bad feng shui. Within a matter of weeks, the nine-story apartment building that once accommodated so many families was now deserted. In October 2017, the building was demolished. and Asian True Crime Podcast is brought to you by Media Corp and OneUp Media. This episode was produced and written by Guangjin, edited by Alex, narrated by Jason, audio experience by Ethan Sam. Additional engineering by Ashley from OneUp Media. Special thanks to executive producer Danny Cordy from MediaCorp. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in the next one.